Hello. Yeah. It's the fan section there, yeah. <laughs> Pay them big money every week, yeah. <laughs> Sit at the front. <laughs> yeah. I brought my 70s shirt. Pretty much all my shirts are black, so, but I think they had Tonkas in the 70s, did they? Did they, Bernie? Did you play with Tonkas back then? Yeah, we're antiques now, yeah, we're something. <laughs> awesome. Uh, we've been um, off and on, at least when I'm speaking, uh, doing a little series on, on shame, and I'm going to continue that series today. Just a uh, bit of a review on a definition of shame and what we've been talking about. This is from Brene Brown. We've read this a few times. Uh, she says, shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Shame keeps worthiness away by convincing us that owning our stories will lead to people thinking less of us. Shame is all about fear. We're afraid that people won't like us if they know the truth about who we are, where we come from, what we believe, how much we're struggling, or, believe it or not, how wonderful we are when soaring. Sometimes it's just as hard to own our own strengths as our struggles. People often want to believe that shame is reserved for the folks who have survived terrible traumas, but this is not true. Shame is something we all experience, and while it feels as if shame hides in our darkest corners, it actually tends to lurk in all of the familiar places, including appearance and body image, family, parenting, money, and work, health, addiction, sex, aging, and religion. To feel shame is to feel human. And so we're talking about a very human experience, uh, something that we all have in various places. And um, so this is a topic that uh, we've talked on a few times. We've talked about the difference between guilt and shame because this is super important to know the difference and to know and to be able to, to, to uh, see the difference when you're feeling these things. That guilt is, is a very good thing. It's a healthy thing. Uh, sometimes the Holy Spirit will convict us or cause us to be guilty if, if we've hurt somebody and, and we feel bad about it and say, you know, I should make this right and, you know, go apologize or see what I can do to fix it. Uh, but shame is when we look at ourselves and say there's something terribly wrong with me inwardly as, as a person. So guilt is about wrong actions while shame is about being wrong as a person. Guilt says I've, I've, I've made a mistake. Shame says I am a mistake. That there's something seriously flawed about me and, and everybody else seems fine, but there's something seriously wrong about me and so it can pull us, pull us down a spiral. And this is not God's will for us. It's not what God wants us to live in. When God uh, originally created mankind, it was, it was a shame-free world. It says they, man and woman, they were naked and unashamed. There was zero shame, so they could have all their clothes off, and there was just no shame anywhere. And, and, uh, and God's will for us is to, to move out of that shame lifestyle where we feel free. And so Isaiah 61 says, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so God is moving us from a place of, of shame into a place of recognizing that shame into a place where we can begin to heal that shame through the work of Christ and, and to where we can be free and to live out who we truly are as God designed us. And so we talked a little bit about shame resilience. 
um, working through our shames. We talked about knowing where we are prone to shame and what triggers it, being able to, to recognize those areas of shame in our lives. Uh, we talked a little about this, and we'll talk a bit more today on this, to know your identity. Uh, you are worthy of love and belonging, and to be who God created you to be. And then to reality check shame messages with who you really are in Christ, and to speak about feelings of shame with, with safe people, and to, to, as the scripture says, to confess your sins to one another, those areas of shame, and there's tremendous healing when you find safe people to do that with. And so I just spent a bit more time on this idea of two sides of shame. We've mentioned this. And then and often we think that when, when shame is when we're feeling unworthy, that uh, we will always go towards being sort of inferior, that I'm always less than others and I'm not good enough and I can't do anything and, and, and I'm filled with shame. And that's one response to shame is where you feel inferior, you know, in at your workplace because you don't have things as together as other people or you feel inferior in your friends group because you don't make as much money as they do or you feel inferior when you come to church because your life doesn't seem as together as maybe someone else and and shame can make us feel inferior but shame has two sides uh one is inferior but for others and sometimes we feel the both tension inside it can be a feeling of superiority and People who, you know, always need to be right and always have, it's never my fault, it's always someone else's fault, and who feel superior or feel like they're kind of this grandiose kind of idea of who they are, that is often a result as well of shame. Because if you feel ashamed, you, I mean, it's, it's intensely painful feel, feeling, as Brene Brown says. And so to, to cover that up, sometimes we want to make ourselves feel better than others or we judge someone, so we say, say like, well, at least I'm not doing as bad as that person. <laughs> Try to cover up our shame. And so, uh, but the reality is, in God's eyes, uh, we are all equal and we all have dignity, value, and worth no matter who you are. And we see these two sides. For instance, in Matthew 23, Jesus talking of the Pharisees. He said, they love to sit at the head of tables at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in marketplaces and to be called rabbi. Don't let anyone call you rabbi for you only have one teacher and all of you are equal as brothers and sisters. Now there's not essentially anything wrong with calling someone rabbi, but what Jesus is getting at is, is when we grab those symbols to try to cover up our shame so that we feel superior over another person. If you reach for a title or a position to cover up shame so that you might feel superior, that there's something wrong with that because you're missing this idea that all of us are equal as brothers and sisters. It doesn't matter if you're here and you're a rocket scientist. It doesn't matter if you're here and you struggle with alcoholism and you live on the street. You're equal. Uh, there, there's no higher or lower. Everyone has dignity, value, and worth. Now, in our kind of a Western society, in capitalist thinking sometimes, we, we want to put people as more valuable than others, but that's, that's not the way it is in the kingdom. And, um, I mean, you, you could join a band, and, and maybe you're like the worst person on the band, and, uh, and, and you struggle with shame because you're not very good on the band. And so you, you, you practice, and you work hard, and, and you become the best person on that band. You can outplay anybody on that band. It doesn't make you a better person. You might be a better musician, but it doesn't make you a better person because every single person has been created in the image of God and has equal dignity, value, 
and worth. And so you can see those people who have the superior side, who feel superior, but then you have the other side, like Moses did in Exodus 4. And Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not an eloquent man, neither in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue, as woe is me, I can't do anything even with God, and I feel so ashamed because I am small. And I will struggle with each of these. You may have a tendency to go towards feeling inferior, or you may have a tendency to go towards feeling superior. What, what is that for you? And sometimes we can go between the two. We start to feel inferior, so then we try to make ourselves think we're better. I mean, you might be in a crowd at a party, and you, you start talking to somebody, and all of a sudden you find out, well, they got a better job than you, and so you start feeling low. And then, you know, their, their family seems to be doing better, so you get lower. And so you start thinking, well, I got, this is, doesn't feel good, so i got to feel higher. And you're like, well, I think i got more hair on my head than that person, so I'm up one more. And, you know, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know I can eat more hot dogs than a hot dog eating. So now I'm one up. And, like, you know, we, we go up and down sometimes all over the place. James says, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or I'll sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? And that really describes Western society. We're like that. We place people up and others down. And because, you know, you, you, you have your life more together, so you're higher on the totem pole than these other people. But in God's eyes, and should be in the eyes of us as Christ followers, every single pe- person is equal in dignity, value, and worth. And so uh, the way we look at others and the way we look at our selves. As Proverbs 22 says, the rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. And, and that's the foundation of dignity. It says in Genesis, when God created human beings in his own image, it says in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And, it, and he said in the end that this was very good. It is very good that, that we've been created in the image of God. And some folks kind of figure maybe we lost that image of God somehow in the fall, and, and now we're just unworthy, dirty, rotten people who should always be walking in shame because we're just horrible, you know, rotten sinners all the time. And, but we never have ever, 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 ever lost this idea of being created in the image of God. And even the book of James, way past the fall, says people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil and full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses. And he says this, those who have been created in the image of God. And so it was never lost. James says even today that all of us here, every single person, no matter of your value in Western society, so to speak, all of us here have equal dignity, value, and worth. And so Part of battling the shame thing in us is when we're starting to feel ins- inferior is to say, no, I'm not. I am equal. It doesn't matter how much I make. It doesn't matter what I wear. It doesn't matter my health. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. That we are all on equal footing. This idea of placing one above the other is delusional in, in our thinking. And especially in the church, as it says in Galatians, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. 
There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. These divisions of gender and job status and all these things that we like to divide over, and the church still fights over these things. It's like, no, you are all one in Christ Jesus. That is the foundation. They were created in the image of God. And so when you start to feel inferior, it's like, nope, we're equal. If you start to feel superior, you better pull yourself down because you're not superior. Uh, your thinking is not always right. Sometimes you are to blame. I mean, to live in this, in this center. And again, we, we tend to always kind of go to one up or one down people. And we just naturally often do this when we meet someone else. We immediately kind of enter into the pecking order. You know, where do I fit into this group? Am I one up or am I one down? You know, and I was even last night at the gospel festival, the drummer who played ahead of me, man, he was awesome. And I got on my drums, I was like, oh man, I'm just not as good as this player. I started one downing myself. And, and then, then you're just like, we just do that naturally. We kind of go down. Again, some people tend to go down. Some people tend to go up and start judging others and thinking they're better, whatever, whatever it is. But we, we got to stop playing the one up or the one down game. Stop playing it when we're speaking to ourselves because we do that to ourselves. I'm, I'm less or I'm so much better than that person or at least I'm doing better. Stop that. And we do that to others when we look at others. We try to put someone else up or put someone else down so we might feel better about ourselves or whatever it might be. And, th and that's not the way of Christ. It's not the way of Jesus. It's not the way of the kingdom. And the way of the kingdom is these, these lenses we look through and just every single person we, we meet is like, now you are so valued and you are so loved and, 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 and we're, we're one in the fact that we've all been created in the image of God, all of us. To those who went up, Paul would say, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. To those who went down, Paul said some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And so bringing up those who feel inferior is, is part of our role when we look at other people and we look at ourselves and pulling those down who are up above, down in, in, in a loving manner, is part of, of kingdom work. And this really comes down to being able to live who you really are. And one of the reasons we get into the cycle of one-upping or one-downing is because we often have, I mean, we just have the strong desire to fit in. Whenever you come to a crowd, you want to fit in, you want to, you want to kind of look good, you want to kind of look impressive, it's kind of, we, we, we want that because we want to fit into the group, we want people to love us, and we have this weird thinking that if I'm impressive, then I'll be loved, and if I'm not impressive, then I won't be loved and I, and I won't belong, and so what we often do is we, we kind of fake it, we pretend we're someone we're not in order to kind of fit in, and it kind of looks this way if we charted it out, and that is uh, we often think that we will belong more by hiding who we really are. And, and so we one up or one down ourselves. And so if I want to belong to this group, I might one up myself and start saying that maybe you make more than you do. Or you, you start saying that you're more impressive than you really are. Or you say, well, I'm really into that too. And really you don't, you're not into it at all. But you're just trying to belong to that group. And so... To, to belong, you lose your authentic self, whom God really created. You be that image of God, and you start faking it to fit in. And we often just kind of naturally think that if I just fake it with this group and they love me, that I'm going to feel like I belong. Uh, the reality is, it's quite opposite. A sense of belonging comes from when you're actually able to live outside of this one up or one downing and just be who you really are. Because when you be who you really, really are and you find people that love you, 
you actually feel loved and you feel like you belong. But if you show up at a group and you pretend you're someone else and they love you, you won't feel like you belong because they're loving someone who's not actually you and whom God created you to be. I mean, you could say if you join a, a running club because you're like, I'm alone, I need some friends. And I think most people know that the easiest way to make friends is find some people who like similar things like you can come to church, and most of us like Jesus, and so it's kind of easier to make friends. Or and maybe I like running, and other people like running. So I'm going to go start running with these people. And you start running with this group, and you're like, I really want to belong. And, uh, and you realize that all these people are like, these got amazing jobs, these people. And, you know, I just work at the gas station. And so you start like, you know, I'm the manager of the gas station. And you start pretending you're someone you're not. And, you know, I, I can run way farther than you actually can. And and, um, and, and, they, and, and they, you don't feel like you belong, and they just don't want you a part of the group. You leave that group, maybe just like, well, I wasn't really who I was supposed to be. You might be disappointed or whatever. But then you go to another running group, and this time you're like, I, I'm going to show up who I really am. And you show up as your authentic self, and maybe these people have great jobs, and you don't, and, and, and they still don't want you. Again, I mean, that, that's doing better because you at least showed up as whom God created you to be, and if they don't like you, then that's not really your fault. And then, and then finally you go to one other group, and you show up who you really are, and, 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 and some people connect with you, and that's what it should be. And sometimes it can take work to find those people who actually will accept you for how God created you, and accept you for how God has wired you, and your personality, and, and all of that stuff. But that's what we're looking for, is the sense of belonging comes from uh, living out who God really created us to be. Instead of one-upping ourselves or one-downing ourselves to show up as God created us to be. And when we show up to not one-up or one-down the people around us. Uh, trying to fit in is a primary block to belonging and feeling accepted. And God wants you to live out who you actually are as a person. Not fake it. Not one-up or one-down yourself. Just to be who you are in that moment. And And you may think you look weird because you're like, well, I'm kind of different. Perfect. God wants you to be different. I mean, uh, you should be awkward. And this is why, you know, sometimes you can show up at places. Again, everybody tries, tries to fake it in order to belong. That's why sometimes you can show up at a group and everybody looks the same and talks the same. And, you know, I've been to churches where everybody seems to pray the same and worships the same and everybody's the same. And you're like, that's not authentic because everybody's trying to do something to fit into the group so they can be accepted. And I mean, what we're shooting for is we all should be radically different. We should all worship different. We should pray different. We should prophesy different. Everyone who comes up and speaks should speak from a kind of a different position, a little different flavor because we all have different gifts and experiences. It should be really diverse. And this is the Junction Church. And, uh, and I think if you're here, <laughs> you're right. This is a radically diverse place. That's why some people can't stand here because, I mean, we just have people all over the spectrum in terms of gifts, and we try to say, hey, be who you are as God designed you to be, and we'll try to make a place for you. And, and you know, I annoy people here, and probably you annoy people here, but that's what happens when you try to live out your authentic life and, 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 and how God is leading you. But we just look at each other, we're all equal, and we're all, certain, of course there's going to be people you connect to more than others, but we look at each other, we're all equal in Christ, and we all have dignity, value, and worth. And, and so we all got to be weird in our own way, because you are God's masterpiece. The way God created you and shaped you, your gifts that are different than others, your mannerisms that differ than other people, you are a masterpiece, and you don't mess with the masterpiece. 
You don't go up to the Mona Lisa and start drawing mustaches on her and, you know, you know painting her hair a different color because you're messing with the master. You do that all the time with ourselves. We show up in a different way where we're starting to mess up God's masterpiece. Or, on the other hand, we mess up with other people's masterpieces. We go up to someone else and say, you shouldn't be like that. You need to be more like me. And we start drawing a mustache to change their theology so their theology matches with me so I can be more comfortable. And we've got to shape how you worship because you're making me uncomfortable. And, and, and we start messing with... We don't mess with God's masterpieces. Amen. We sit back and go, you know what? Mona Lisa, meh, not for me, but it's a masterpiece. And I know other people appreciate it. So God bless them. And, and we live into that difference. Psalm 139 says, I praise you. Because you made me an amazing and wonderful way. What you have done is wonderful. The way God has shaped you is wonderful. It's amazing. Don't try to be someone you're not. Don't try to fit into the group and make yourself someone other than who you really are. Because who you really are is amazing and it's beautiful. And yes, it's awkward. And yes, it's different. And yes, it's crazy sometimes. But God has designed you that way. So you have a place in the world and a place in the church. And... That's the way it is to be. I mean, 1 Corinthians 12 talks all about this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. Lots of different gifts, personalities, styles, theologies here, but we come together under Jesus, and, and, and God is the source of us all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. He works in different ways. Do you realize that? <laughs> we want God to work my way and according to my rules and my list. Uh, he works in different ways because we're all different and we're different places and different, different backgrounds. The body has many different parts, not just one. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I am not a hand, this is one downing, so I don't really fit in because I look like this and all these other people look like that. That doesn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? And you show up at groups like that and everybody's an ear because <laughs> everybody looks the same, talks the same, acts the same. You're like, this is a really weird creature, you know, one big eye or one big ear. If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it to be. So don't mess with it. He has put you and designed you just where he wants. Don't mess with it. And that's the easy, the hardest part is not to mess with others. <laughs> because we always want to mess with other people and what God is doing in their lives and, and you know, where they are because you know, it makes me uncomfortable. So I got to move them over to be more like me. And it's like, you're messing with the body. If the toe is always trying to make that eye a toe, it's like, what, what is going on? No, is appreciation of the diversity of Christ at work in this world and the fact we're all made in the image of God and not to one up or one down. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And you, so if you feel like the worst person in the world, you're really important. And, and to get rid of that shame of feeling inferior and to hand it over to Jesus and to realize you have so much value and worth to this world and to just to be who you are. And so you find is to be who you are and try different things until you fit what, what fits with what, what your personality is and then you go for it. And it's a lot of courage to do. It's easy to fake it. It's easy to pretend. 
It's easy to try to fit into the group because being our authentic selves can be the, one of the scariest things in the whole world because all of a sudden we're afraid of being judged. We're afraid of being shamed. We're afraid that maybe I have areas of shame that if I be my authentic self, then people are going to shame me. It takes courage, but this is the path God wants us to take. As David Hayward says, to live with authenticity takes courage. No matter who you are, it requires us to be brave enough to be vulnerable. There's an art to being vulnerable, like learning to paint. We have to learn muscle memory, tools and techniques that allow you to create something beautiful. And the more you can live into your authentic spirit-led self, uh, the, the more beautiful you come to the church and the more beautiful you become to the world. And uh, I just want to finish with a couple thoughts from the book of Romans, because the book of Romans is really all about this. And sometimes we read the book of Romans, and it's confusing because we miss the whole point of why it was written. The reason the book of Romans was written was because in, uh, in 49 to 53 AD, the emperor actually kicked out all the Jews out of Rome. And, and so all the Jews only had Gentile folks in it. There was no diversity. Everybody kind of looked the same, worshipped the same, thought the same, because they were all kind of Gentiles in the church. And then the Jews were allowed back in, and so all of a sudden, this church that had been living for a number of years, just with one type of person in it, all of a sudden the Jews are coming back to the church, and all of a sudden there's great differences in theology and background and culture, and all of a sudden, of course, there's conflict. These people are different. They think different. They have different theology. And so Paul writes the book of Romans to help these people <laughs> learn to get along again. And so he says things, like Romans 2.11, God doesn't show favoritism. Because we tend to show favoritism to those who look like us, don't we? You are someone who's got the same exact belief system. I'll show them favoritism. I mean, a certain title, you got favoritism. In fact, that happened last night. I whipped up to the gospel festival a little late, and, and I took the first parking spot, and the, the, the parking attendant was waving his hands, you can't park there. And then I got out, he says, oh, you're the pastor of the Junction Church. You can park there. I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah. He should have sent me, but I, I stuck the spot anyways. But I, I said, well, I'm part of the band, so yeah. <laughs> but God doesn't do that. Maybe parking attendants do, but God doesn't do that. Uh, and then he says in Romans 4, 4, 5, people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God. And it's easy to do in the church. Well, that person is more righteous because they have the same theology or beliefs or whatever as me, and that person's less righteous because they're, you know, they're a little bit off, and, you know, they got a little bit of craziness in them. And, and it's what the Jews were doing to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles were doing to the Jews. And Paul says, look, are you saved by having all these certain belief systems in line? Works? No. It's by faith. Are you saved by worshiping in a certain way or prophesying in a certain way or looking this way? No. Unless you've gone away from the gospel, as Galatians says, you know, who has bewitched you? <laughs> These people who say there's certain lists you need to follow in order to be, it's by faith. And so in diversity, we look at each other, we all, we're all equal because we're all here around Jesus. And even if you're here and you don't believe in Jesus, follow Jesus, hey, you're totally welcome here because you're created in the image of God and you have absolute equal worth and value as any of us here in this, in this room. And then he talks a little bit about the, the conflict they had, which was, in those days, eating sacrificed meat. We don't fight over that now. Uh, but it was a big, big issue. Uh, we have our own issues today. It doesn't take long if you're part of the church to know what issues we fight over. Uh, but they were fighting over sacrificed meat because Gentiles had no issue eating sacrificed meat. 
because meat was sacrificed to pagan idols, and then, you know, it was sold in the marketplace, and you could buy cheap meat because it was sacrificed to an idol. The Jews were like, don't you dare eat sacrificed meat. You know, it says not to in the Old Testament, and, and that's, that's, it's connected to demons, and so you can't eat sacrificed meat, and the Gentiles are like, well, it's no big deal, and, and so they're fighting over what they're eating, amongst other things. No difference than today, we fight over things. But Paul steps in, and he says, look, those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Boom! God has accepted them. That's the starting place. God has accepted us as brothers and sisters around Christ. And we have all these differences on debates on things, but it comes back to this. We are created in the image of God, and we're not to one up or one down based on different theological stance, because we are one in Jesus, this foundation of the starting place. And and in this crazy controversy, in our own controversy, it's like, no, we go back to this idea is that brother and sister is accepted by Christ. And if you're moving away from that, then you move into works. <laughs> well, no, because of this, this, and this. Well, well, wait a second. Are, are they a follower of Jesus? Yes. This, this is the foundation. This is what Paul goes back to. If you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. This is the weird thing, is that for, Paul was saying to those people in church, for some of you, if you eat sacrifice meat, you are sinning. And for others, if you eat sacrifice meat, you're not sinning. But, <laughs> because it has to do with your convictions. Because it's debate. If you actually think something is really wrong, then if you do it, then that's a sin. But that other person might feel total freedom in Christ, and when they do it, it's not a sin. Because if you feel something's wrong in God's eyes and you do it, then that's, you're, you're kind of disobeying God, and we want to obey God. And so, again, God is different. We'll have different beliefs and practices, and there are some things that you might do that I'm like, oh, I wouldn't do that. And there's some things I would do, and you might go, oh, that's weird, Jesse does that. But, but it's it, because we're diverse in this crowd of differences. And Romans 15, he says, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. And ultimately, what we're about is about the glory of God. And there's nothing that brings more glory to God than when a diverse group of people come together and love on each other and lift each other up in equality. That gives God so much glory. As, as Jesus said, it's when the world sees our love for one another and our, and our unity that the world will know that Christ is real and he exists. And I'll just finish with this. This is Thomas Merton. The beginning of love uh, or the beginning of this love is the will to let those we love be perfectly themselves. The resolution not to twist them to fit our own image. If in loving them, we do not love what they are, but only their potential likeness to ourselves, then we do not love them. We only love the reflection of ourselves we find in them. Let me just read that one more time and it'll be done. The beginning of this love is the will to let those we love be perfectly themselves. The resolution not to twist them to fit our own image. If in loving them we do not love what they are, but only their potential likeness to ourselves, then we do not love them. We only love the reflection of ourselves we find in them. 
And this comes down to Jesus. This comes down to the gospel, this idea that we are saved by faith in Christ. And all the other stuff is just kind of works and stuff and it's good, yes, and sometimes not good and it's all stuff and makes us all look different, but, but all that stuff, we work and we talk and we debate friendly and we have these friendly debates over different stuff, but it comes back to like we look at each other and say, you are my brother, you are my sister, and we're equal because we're all created in the image of God. So Father, we thank you that you are good and that you love us. And God, I just pray that you would just lead us out of a place of inauthenticity place that we can show up the way you've created us, even if it looks awkward. God, do your work in us. Get rid of this, this one-upping and one-downing that we do to ourselves, that we do to each other. God, may we live under the umbrella of Jesus, Father, and the Holy Spirit, and work from there. In Jesus' name, amen.